being a stepmom has probably been one of the, the biggest struggle with feeling like a failure. You can read all the books you want to, but nobody has your kids. Nobody has the situation that you're personally dealing with and everybody's situation is different. This is the toughest and the hardest thing I've ever done. And really wishing there was more support, more places for step parents to get together and process because it is one of the hardest jobs I think that's out there. There's very little acknowledgement for the role of a step parent. How do you get training to do it? You're in the kids' lives, and but you, you're expected to be fully parent, but yet not because you're you're not the biological parent. And it is a it is a tightrope at times. Stepmothers, they've been villainized by Disney, scapegoated, misunderstood. Today's interview is with Beverly Griffith Herndon, a stepmother to Justin and Jordan. She talks about the struggle to become a parent midway through the process. She talks about the struggle to become a parent midway through the lives of her children. She talks about loving them, fighting with them, working hard to make a family. I appreciate Bev's honesty, both about what's going well and what's not going well. I hope that all kinds of parents, step-parents, adoptive parents, biological parents, enjoy listening to what Beverly shares. This is Parenting Reimagined, a place where the conversation goes beyond what we do as parents, and we take the time to consider what parenting teaches us, how it transforms us, and what being parents means for the landscape of our inner lives. I am Sherry Walling. Beverly Griffith Herndon is not someone who takes the typical path. I came there by way of Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Thailand, Cyprus, and India. Beverly now works as a marriage and family therapist. As she entered her 40s and began a new career, she was also longing to become a parent. I've always wanted to be a mom, and I'm not able to physically have kids. As a single person, I was already starting to look at, at adoption. But in the middle of her 40s, she met a man that she fell in love with. I got married at the age of 45. Uh, it was my first marriage. And Beverly took on the challenging but rewarding task of being the stepmother of two adolescent boys. Justin is 14 and a half and Jordan is 13. Well, what do you like most about being a stepmother? To be honest, the term stepmother, I really have a problem with. I think it's because of just the negative connotation in our culture today. Even when I hear my kids talk about their friends' stepmoms, very negative and very critical. And I, you know, Disney, well, Disney World has done a horrible job of presenting stepmoms in such a negative light. 16 months ago, uh, Bob and I had really been praying and talking about uh, me taking on a different role and uh, taking on an adoptive role. And we legally, I legally adopted the kids. The relationship hadn't changed because from the moment I married Bob, I made the commitment to be a mom to these kids. And it's a different type. I'm not their biological mom, but I made the commitment to love these kids as if they were my own. 
the, the kids would tell you, I asked them this, like on the anniversary, the first year anniversary, what has changed since it's become legal? You've legally become my child. And they both would say nothing. Nothing has changed at all. And that's so true. It hasn't. Because I treated them exactly like as if they were my own from the moment I joined the family. Well, let me ask it again, then. What do you what do you like most about being a mother? I think I like most getting to be a part of little people's lives and seeing them change. I've always been a huge nurturer, huge. I mean, I love caring and, and nurturing for people. Getting to have two little people in my life, and, and little because they're not adults yet, but they're not children, they're not toddlers, but they still need direction, they still need guidance, they still need input, and getting to have a positive impact on their life is powerful. You know, getting to see them um, asking questions, getting to see the difference I can make by making pancakes in the morning. I mean, like, that's a big deal for these kids. You know, wow, she got up and made pancakes for us. Being a blessing. I know that sounds so corny, but it's true. I mean, I really love serving and giving to my kids, and I get a joy out of doing that. What are your favorite moments with them? I think connect. the times where we connect the most is when they first come home from school. They come at home from school about 20 to 25 minutes from each other. And so I get to connect with each one of them individually. And I like that time um, to ask them, you know, check in. How was your day? What would you do today? Tell me about lunchtime. Who'd you hang out with? I also think my favorite times are when we have a, a game night on a Friday night or a Saturday night. We play cards together. We play board games getting to go on a family camping trip. We have an RV, so doing campfires out by the RV are huge for us. Roasting marshmallows, doing s'mores, getting to be there when they when they are having a hard time, getting to um, help them learn how to express themselves emotionally. Summer In the summertime, we have a pool in the backyard, so we have a mandatory daily, uh, nightly swim time, just time to unconnect from all electronics and to go outside and be together outside in the pool for 30 minutes. And it's just a time for us to, to try to be together, to be intentional with that. Something that they didn't do before I joined the family, they never had evening dinner time together. They never sat around a table and shared a meal. That was huge for me is to, let's do this. Let's sit around a table, let's talk about what are, what are, you know, what are the good part of our day? What are the horrible parts of our day? But just to sit, to try to engage. And with this age group, especially, you know, a 13 and 14 year old, it's really hard to try to get them to talk. I've got one very verbal and one not very verbal. And so trying to give the one who's not verbal space to be verbal. So you mentioned that when you joined the family, you instituted dinner time <laughs> and you've brought in some new patterns or expectations and it's striking that you are joining a family and that already has some systems in place and that you're kind of coming in the in the middle of the parenting process oh yes what's that been like that's been a struggle to be honest I always thought about how I would raise my kids or how the structures I would put in place the boundaries and as a stepmom when you come into the family you know, they've had years of a structure already in place. Whether you agree with that structure or not, you have to come in and honor that structure or the lack of structure. And it wouldn't work to come in and demand, hey, we're going to turn everything around and do it differently. I really tried. I mean, I had read books before on being a step parent. I had, uh, you know, talked with people who were step parents, asking them how they did it. And so the game plan for me was to take the first year 
of being a stepmom and just really being intentional to establish a relationship with the kids. That was my goal. That didn't work very well. <laughs> when I joined the family, there was very limited boundaries, very limited structure in the family. And it wasn't like the family was thriving. And it was really hard for me just to sit on the um, the sidelines and, and to see so, so much that was um, needing structure and wanting to implement structure. And so after about six months um, trying to encourage from the outside or trying to say, okay, at least with me, you need to be a little more respectful. This is not okay. If you if you wanting a right to practice, then you need to treat me with respect. It's putting those boundaries in place. It just wasn't working. And so after six months, my husband and I went to counseling to try to get on the same page with parenting. And that helped a lot for us to say, okay, what are the goals for us as parenting? This is the way it's been done before until now, but do we want to continue that or can we change that? And we both agreed that, you know, he was, he was such a trooper to say, yeah, you know, I realize how we've done it to now hasn't really worked really well. Um, the kids have way too much power and we do things to try to keep the peace in the home instead of trying to do things, what would be best for the, for the family. And so to try to restructure the system and anytime you try to change the system, there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be, you know, backlash. And we, we experienced that. And, I, you know, I wish I could say after three years, we're thriving now and everything's going great, but we're still in the mess of it. Even at this point, it's still hard, but it's so much better today than it was three years ago. It sounds like one of the most important things was for for you and your husband to get on the same page about what you were doing as parents. Yeah. It sounds like you and your husband have really had to negotiate these big transitions of both becoming a couple and learning how to parent together at the same time, which is not, you know, the sort of typical path of forming a family. Usually you do one first and then the second, but you guys did it all at once. Exactly. Yeah. From 45 being a single person to immediately, you know, having a husband and two kids, one, nine, almost 10. And then the other was 11 and a half going on 12 when I joined. I mean, that's, that's very difficult age for anybody to come into a child's life. You know, 11, 12 years old, they're becoming their own person with their own opinions. They're no longer wanting the influence of parents. They're wanting the influence of their friends. And, you know, here, here this strange woman came in and so wanted to be a part of their lives. And, and it was a struggle for them. The youngest one accepted me with open arms. You know, the oldest one really struggled with wanting me to be a part of his life. You know, he loves me and I know he loves me, but allowing me to, to come in and fill a role that he wasn't ready for his mom to leave. Nobody was, but he struggled with it the most. Bob and I have a really solid marriage and we communicate all the time. <laughs> and we talk about it. We talk about the things that, that bother us in the middle of trying to parent. If, if I'm putting a boundary in place that he feels like I'm not being flexible enough, you know, he'll say, can we have a timeout and go talk about it separately? And we do that. Or if I feel like he's, you know, okay, so we've said this three times and there's not been, you know, you've said three times you were going to do this, but you're, they're still doing the behavior and there's not the follow-up, honey, come on. We, you know, so we take the time to, to mull it over. We're not perfect in it yet, but we are making much progress as we go through the, the learning pains of how do we do this together? One of the difficult parts has been, you know, when I joined the family, my kids both already had Xboxes, their own Xboxes. They already been exposed to doing the adult games, video games, and, 
TV programs that I would never want my kids to watch. You know, so there's different, you have to, as a stepmom, you have to really die to some of the things that you you would wish, you would not wish your kids to be exposed to or have access to if you would get to raise them from birth. Another difficult thing was you don't get the bonding as you do from, you know, as an infant, this baby come, you carry this baby for nine months and this baby comes out and this baby is totally dependent upon you. And you get to nurture this baby, take care of this baby, feed this baby, you know, um, and this baby begins to see that you're good and you're, you're, you're wanted and needed. And well, when you come in at, at nine and 11 and a half, they don't see you as good and as needed. They see you a lot of times as, you know, maybe interfering with, with getting what they really want. It has had its challenges, it's been difficult in some ways, but definitely a lot of rewards too. You became a mother to these boys not, not too long after their biological mother passed away, right? Right. It was about a year. Okay. So you're parenting sons who are fairly recently bereaved. What was that like? I can't imagine losing my mom when I was eight and 11 and a half. And every time we talk about it as a, as a family, and every time I hear the story of Paula and how she passed, I cry. I mean, I just, they knew 10 days from the moment she went to the hospital to the, to the day she took her last breath until the very last day they thought she was going to recover. You know, the boys were taken out of school on a Thursday afternoon and told they needed to tell their moms goodbye. And she died the following morning. I mean, how do you, how do you grieve that? How do you walk through that for kids? I can't, even as an adult, I can't even imagine walking through that and knowing that these kids had to walk through that breaks my heart. And they were both the whole family, Bob, Justin and Jordan were all three grieving when I joined the family. I think during that year from her passing to our marriage, I think in a lot of ways, grieving had been put on hold and they were in survival mode. And I think, um, you know, when, when I joined it, I took off, I took a lot of the responsibility of the house and the home and of providing meals and transportation for the kids that helped alleviate so it was safe for them to start grieving. The youngest one was more willing to grieve. He was more willing to talk about what that time was like. The oldest one was really shut down and not really wanting to talk about. The first, I remember we went to a restaurant and and I asked them, it was getting ready to come up on the first anniversary of Paula's birthday. And, you know, trying to talk about what do y'all want to do to celebrate, you know, your mom's birthday ended up being an emotional roller coaster for my kids that their stepmom would even ask about their mother's birthday. How dare I, you know, it was just really raw for them. Then it came around for her anniversary of her death. And, you know, so I brought that up. What do y'all want to do to honor your mom? I mean, her, and it got easier to talk about. And I kept bringing up different things. And after about a year of being in their lives, they were much more willing to tell me, well, how would your mom, what was your favorite menu your mom made? What was your favorite memory of your mom? Tell me about the times you guys traveled together. We're now, we just had her birthday, April 2nd. And for her birthday, in honor of her, I make her favorite meal. And and we talk about her, you know, it's, it's easier for them to talk about their grief, but it wasn't at first. It was very hard at first. I don't think they had any room in their heart for the first year to have somebody else in their life because they were still trying to grieve the bereavement of their mom. I so wish grief was this simple process that everybody goes through the different stages at the same time. And two months later, you're done with it, but they still are going through grief in some ways. 
at first when you were part of their lives, they wanted to wall that off and, and keep you out of it protect their memory of their mom and their experience of their mom. But as time has gone on, you have entered into the process with them and yeah, and try to make it safe for make it a safe process for them. That's something that we don't have to, to shun talking about that we can talk about your mom, that we can choose. An, I, I want her memory to be strong in their minds. I want them to, to know that Beverly didn't come in and take her away, that Beverly came in and made it safe for us to talk about her and include her in our lives. I guess I'm thinking about how to formulate this next question, and I didn't I didn't send it to you ahead of time. I'm just thinking about it now, okay. so if you don't want to answer it, it's fine. But um, I, I'm kind of wondering what in your life helped prepare you for this, coming into this family midway through your life, but it seems like you're maybe uniquely prepared to come into this family at this time. I hear that from friends of my life, from my husband, you know, that, that God brought me into this family with a certain set of skills, with, with experience. And, you know, I think in my own, my own personal journey, I had, I came from a very dysfunctional family and I went through my own counseling process of learning to grieve what the relationship I didn't have with my own biological dad. The I had a biological father, but he was not present. He was very um, uh, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive. I didn't have the relationship that I wanted to have with him. So going through my own process of healing in that relationship. And, and while my father was still alive, being able to say, accept him as he was being able to say, I'm never going to have the father I wanted, but I, this, you are the father that I have. And so I'm going to, um, love and respect you for who you are. And I made peace in my relationship with him. And I think that in, um, dealing with my own sense of, depression. I went through a period of depression as I was in Tajikistan. I, I got, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It ended up at the other end of a gun in my mouth and just really um, didn't process that event very well um, and had to go through some counseling for depression, PTSD. And I think because I've experienced sadness, I've experienced grief, I've experienced depression. And I've also experienced healing that it helped me to be able to meet my kids in their midst of their depression and walks, you know, take the time it took to walk through it and not rush that process, but to accept them as where they're at. What has becoming a mother taught you about yourself? Boy, <laughs> wow, that I like being in control more than I need to be. As a missionary, I thought I would, the term is you have to be flexible as a missionary. But man, being a parent, you have to be even more flexible. I am just amazed. That is that is okay to make mistakes. That is okay to to have to go back and say, "Man, I blew it, son. Will you forgive me?" That is that is okay to 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 learn together. I think more than anything, I have seen my my humanness, my um, selfishness, my issues with control, my, I mean, I just see my, <laughs> I see my humanity more as a mom than I ever did in the 45 years before. I feel like I've 
heard this and said it probably myself from my own experience, but the the belief or the you know the observation that parenting brings out the worst in us, but but also some of the best. I guess I'm also wondering about the other side. If if you are are learning about yourself, kind of about your capacity for patience and love and other things like that. Yeah, and I I think I am learning that I can love without conditions. I'm learning that I can accept, and this reminds me so much of of who God is, you know, because I'm learning that as much as my kids make mistakes. And as I, I correct them and recorrect them and correct the same thing over and over again. Like for example, when you finish eating something, if you're in the game room, bring out the plate, don't leave it in the game room. That's the only place you're allowed to eat is the game room in the kitchen. Well, you don't leave your stuff in the game room. You bring it out. And I keep having to say that over and over four or five times a week. And as much as I have to remind that, my kids of that, how much more God has to remind me of things that he keeps trying to tell me, but that I can still love my kids and accept my kids and not hold that against my kids when, when they do silly things or when they do stuff that they are just like have, I call it blonde moments where, you know, you say something and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I I totally forgot to do that. And you just told me, you know, an hour ago, maybe it's not good to call it a blonde moment. Sorry. (laughs) Um, not politically correct. Uh, but yeah, I'm learning that I do have a capacity, a great capacity to love and, and to care beyond my strength. I've, (laughs) I've experienced, you know, exhaustion in my life, but man, sometimes being a parent is exhausting because there's not like a time clock that you get to clock out of. That's something new as a stepmom is realizing, okay, there's not an end to this time. I mean, you're 24 seven, you know, 24, seven days a week, you're, you're on. And to realize that I can do, I can summon the energy to be available, to be intentional. But I also take time to say, Hey, I need a break. And right now I need 30 minutes of me time. And if I don't get this 30 minutes of me time, I'm not going to be a really good mom or a very good spouse. So I'm going to take my time. So you touched on this a little bit, but I wonder if there's anything more you want to say about what becoming a parent has taught you about God. Mm -hmm. I I think one of the biggest things that I've learned to reiterate about God and who he is, his character is forgiveness. Man, I, I've not, I've never thought of myself as one who holds grudges or um, who has a hard time forgiving and at the same time, sometimes <laughs> I can get so frustrated with with action or when kids, when they're adolescents, they can be really hurtful. My kids can push buttons and can, can trigger in me um, responses that nobody else sees or nobody else experiences. I know I trigger that in them um, also. And so just seeing the need for you know, regular forgiveness in each other's lives. But for me, being able to forgive the same thing over and over and over again and remembering, you know, how much more God has to deal with me and forgives me on a regular, consistent basis. I really believe just in the three years that I've gotten to be Justin and Jordan's mom, I I guarantee in that same three years that I was a kid, 
my mom had to forgive me so much more than these kids. I'm having to work with forgiveness for them. But I love the passage in Psalms 103, verse 12, where it talks about God separates our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. You know, being a mom at 45, where I didn't have the little innocent, little cuddly baby that um, you, you got to, you know, do everything for and you and you, your love grows and you get to be a 14. And when the kid is not being nice or the kid is being hateful or angry, you know, you remember, oh, but I remember when they were you know, like a little month or, or two years old. And I remember that and had that to fall back on. I don't have that to fall back on, but I do have my memory of how difficult I can be to forgive or how difficult I can be to get along with and remembering God forgives me. God loves me. God offers me grace. God offers me mercy. He gives it to me when I don't deserve it. And um, how much more he gives it to me than I'm ever called on to give it to my kids. Those are pretty amazing lessons, the sense in which some of those like basic spiritual teachings take on this whole new life when you have children. You know, I think one of those like central messages of the gospel is about forgiveness, but I feel like we don't we don't really get it until we're living in the day in and day out of of being required to be forgiving in order to be loving. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Sherry, the when I first became a mom, I wasn't I mean, I thought I was a very forgiving person, but I really struggled with that because I'd be I would, you know, set a boundary in place and you know, one of my sons would be disrespectful and the same thing being disrespectful over the same way he treated me. And I would be like, wow, you know, I have to keep confronting this. And, you know, now I'm getting angry. And I noticed like some seeds of bitterness were taking place in my heart toward my kids. And I was like, okay, this can't happen. You know, that's not okay. That's going to hinder my relationship with them. And more than anything else, I want them to have a good relationship with me. And so taking that to God going, okay, Lord, you know, I, I'm constantly having to forgive them and and it hurts and I can't take it personal anymore. You know, I've got to let it go, build that boundary to say, okay, it's not true. What they're saying is they're just being emotional. They're not like what I'm saying or the limits they're getting. And I've got to let that go. I, I can't force them to be respectful. I can't force them to choose right or choose a a more appropriate way. Um, so letting that go. It sounds like your new life as a mother has also reshaped your vocation a little bit. Would you would you say a little bit about that? Sure. I was working a lot with uh, kids, and and when I became a mom, um, I really needed to separate the two because I really wanted my energy with kids to be spent with my kids. And I was working with with some kids, but it it just was more complicated in the sense that. I didn't enjoy the work with kids as much when I was having my own children. I really wanted to focus on being with my kids. So I stopped working with little children. I do work with older teenagers still. And I hope to get back to working with kids when my kids get a little older because I do love working with children. And that's always been something I love to do. Um, I think I'm just on a sabbatical from it right now. I'm so grateful that you were willing to to talk with me about your experience because I I do feel like it's a, an incredibly hard job and a, and a very different challenge in some way than, you know, the, the traditional route of parenting, but such an important role that um, 
that you're taking on and, and to sort of choose to parent, to choose to be intentional about loving these kids and chasing them down when you need to and being fully their parent, but without the on-the-job training the other parents exactly. get and with that, without even the same honor and respect the other parents exactly. get, it, it's, it's a tough role. Right. One of the most frustrating things was that you're not even looked at as a parent. I mean, the teachers can't communicate with you. Uh, the school doesn't acknowledge you. They can't share details with you because you're not the official legal parent. And um, once I became the legal adopted parent, you know, I gave them the legal documentation. And then all of a sudden the parents could, the teachers could talk to me, respond to my emails. Um, so that was difficult. Um, you know, another thing I want to tell you, one of the benefits about being a stepmom, I forgot to share this, is that I didn't have to get up. I didn't have to sleepless nights. I didn't have to get up for 2 a.m. feedings. I didn't have to change a single dirty diaper. My kids were potty trained. I didn't have to go through the terrible twos. I mean, so there are benefits. Um, but yeah, there's lots of benefits for being a step parent. But um, just the blessing of I would I would rather go through the difficult part of being a stepmom and have a relationship with Justin and Jordan than the possibility of, of never having kids. I mean the fact that I get to be in their lives is awesome. And um, the fact that they allow me is just, I mean, we're really, if you were to see us today compared to where three years ago, we have, we've gone miles. And I would say, you know, they, even this weekend we were talking and I told them I was going to be doing this, this interview and just how the difference has taken place in our lives. And I need to remember that, you know, we've come a long way. We're not where we were, but we, hopefully we'll continue working to where we won't be where we are now in three years. When your sons are ready to launch into the world, which is not too far out, actually, when they're ready to go to college or start a professional life or travel the world or whatever is next for them, what do you hope they say about you and the role that you played in their lives? Wow. I want them to say that they knew they were loved extraordinarily and accepted unconditionally. I want them to know, to say that they enjoyed spending time with us as a family. I want them to know or to say that they were allowed to learn from their mistakes and not punish for them, that they're, they're glad that I came into their life. That would be huge if they were thankful that I came into their life. I think most of all, I want them to want to come home often. I when they leave, I hope they say, man, I can't wait to get back home for a visit. I think that'll be a measure for me of how we did as a family. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and your openness and um, just really want to honor what you're doing and the, the love that you have for your boys and your husband and celebrating with you that this is now a part of your life. Yes. And I'm very glad for it being a part of my life. I really am. I'm thankful. It's definitely an answer to prayer and knowing that God answered. He gave me my heart's desire.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. If you like what you heard, visit our website, parentingreimagined.org, and sign up for our mailing list. You can also like us on Facebook. Thanks for taking the time to be part of this community of parents who's committed to learning the deeper lessons of parenting. 